And I was thinking if obedience relies on someone else's response, we will never be obedient. We'll always be disobedient because we can't control other people. We love knowing and keeping secrets. It makes us feel loved. It makes us feel important. It makes us feel valued. But that is the best kept secret. We are loved by the creator of the universe. This season, we are coming together with some of the most confident women that you will ever meet to discover the secret to moving beyond insecurity. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then queen, we've got some work to do. Let's get to it. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I just want to thank you so much for being here with me on this podcast. I know that we have begun to chart some new territory and I cannot thank you enough for choosing to continue to this community here. It really is incredibly humbling that you would just continue to show up and even share your thoughts and feelings over on Apple Podcasts. Today, I have one from Lady Jam 81 who says, what I love most about Liv's podcast is she shows transparency that is not about being the victim. She uses it to show how far God has brought her. She continues to say, you will be blessed if you take a time to listen. And then she said, hashtag obedient. And that is exactly what we're talking about today. We are talking about obedience, outrageous obedience to be exact. And I have a brand new guest to introduce you to. So I'm really looking forward to our time. But before we get into that, you know, I wanted to share one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And for those of y'all who may be new here, just about every scripture in the Bible is my favorite. (laughs) I am in love with the word of God. I really am. And so I know I say that all the time. I'm going to share with you a favorite scripture. I know I say it all the time. (laughs) But it really is because I love this word. My goodness. But today I want to just read Romans 5.20 over us. When I first began to step out into ministry here in Las Vegas, I had the opportunity to work with an organization called Saint City. And this scripture was our founding scripture. I originally learned it out of the King James Version, which says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I love that version. It was the first one that I learned, and so it has a special place in my heart. But the New Living Translation says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. My city, Las Vegas, is known as Sin City. But we called ourselves Saint City so that others might know that we're not focused on the sin. We are focused on the grace 
that thrives here, the grace that covers this city, the grace that permeates from the heart of God for every person that lives here. I am so excited to introduce you to someone who is not only doing work in Kentucky where she resides, but also here in Las Vegas and a variety of other states throughout our country. The work that Rochelle Starr is committed to is incredibly important and it is an honor to have her here today. When she was only 23 years old, Rochelle Starr started going to strip clubs to share Christ's love with the dancers. Now, having founded a Christian ministry to people in the adult entertainment industry, she demonstrates the key to shining Christ's light into the darkness. Love people one at a time and continue to love them no matter what. The gospel compels us to go and love like Jesus and its scarlet hope. The leaders understand every woman's story is different, and that will also be the same for her journey to freedom. Scarlet Hope's model is built to meet her wherever she is on that journey and offer support for her next step. Scarlet Hope operates not knowing whether they will only get one conversation or years of relationship, and so Every moment counts to put Jesus on full display through our words and action. Scarlet Hope operates through outreach, discipleship, and career development. And you can find more about Scarlet Hope at scarlethope.org. Today, our guest is Rochelle Starr, the author of Outrageous Obedience, Answering God's Call to Shine in the darkest places. Would you help me welcome Rochelle Starr? Y'all, y'all, I am just so excited to get into this conversation. As we have already been over multiple times, I live in Las Vegas. And so when I just found out about Rochelle's new book, outrageous obedience. I was so excited to talk with her. This work is just so important. And so Rochelle, I want to thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much, Liv, for having me. And I'm just so excited and I love Las Vegas. So just so dear to my heart. I love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you will definitely have to let me know when you come back. And before this conversation ends, we need you to tell us, you know, where we can get connected to Scarlet Hope here in Las Vegas. But as we jump into these questions, you know, I truly appreciate how you talked about your early years. And you mentioned that when you and your husband were first married, you felt some discomfort when you went to your first church together. So I just wanna ask if you could share with our sisters here today, how your childhood shaped how you view the body of Christ and the opportunity that we have. Yeah, I came from a pastor's home. I'm a pastor's kid, a PK, if you will. And so is my husband, actually. My husband's father was the senior pastor of the church my dad was the youth pastor at. And that's how we met. And we're high school sweethearts. And we've been married for almost 18 years. Aww. Side note. But <laughs> when my husband and I got engaged at 19, married at 21, when we started making, you know, our faith, our own, right. We had grown up in the church. This is what you do. 
I'd always loved serving and leadership and all those types of things, but you had to, we started asking ourselves, what is church all about? And so one of the things that's very unique about my childhood is that my parents really had a heart for people that the world deems unlovely, the homeless, the broken, the addict on the street corner, the addict at the gas station that everybody passes, you know, that's sitting outside the door. My parents would invite those people to church, but also into our home of hospitality meals, things like that. And so this was my example growing up and I got into my early twenties and my husband was working on staff at a church. And I started looking around to my right, to my left, all around me. And I was like, where are these people? And it was beautiful. Like the body of Christ was there. Believers were there, but people that maybe out in the world that don't feel like they would belong weren't there. And I I began asking myself that question. And my husband did as well. Like, who are our people that we can bring into the body of Christ and how can we bridge that gap between them? So it's just a beautiful experience. But honestly, when I first started telling people, Hey, I'm going to go serve women in strip clubs and in the sex industry, church people were like, you're crazy. There is a sign outside of our building. If they would like to come, they can. And it began in my heart stirring, like, that's not what Jesus came for. That's not what Jesus came for. So it was a little bit of my experience at the beginning of, of my early years. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you brought out that, you know, so many people share, well, you know, there's a sign on the front. If they want to come, they can, but the Lord told us to go. (laughs) And so we do have to be active to bridge that gap. You write um, through web searches, you learn that your little Kentucky city, not Vegas or Atlantic city, or Miami had 27 strip clubs and over 40 illegal massage parlors. And, you know, you continue to say that everything that happens in Vegas is in your town too. And that was so poignant. I come from an area in Southern Illinois where there is a strip along the highway on your way to St. Louis on Route 64 that you're passing strip club after strip club after strip club after strip club. And so it was just interesting interesting to me that this is something that we do have to educate other people on because a lot of people do tend to believe that, you know, it just happens in Vegas. It just happens in Atlantic City. So how did you begin ministering to women in the strip clubs? Yeah. In case your listeners don't know, I knew nothing live about the adult entertainment industry. In 2007, when the Lord called me into this work, I didn't even know sex trafficking was not a term, like public term. Okay. And so when, when I started researching and understanding my own city and what was going on here, I was astonished to find out that not only did Louisville, Kentucky have one of the largest industries per capita in America, but everyone would say, oh no, that only happens in Vegas. And it was an easy way to dismiss 
the problem, right? I live in the Bible Belt. Louisville, Kentucky is like dead center of the Bible Belt. And so I think one of the things that is just really important to to understand in the early days is that I was a 23-year-old girl. God called on my way into work. I passed a theater X and, and I had heard months before this, a woman at my church say, Rochelle, every time I drive by that place over there, like, you know, off of that parkway, it's disgusting. I turn my face. I tell my kids, do not look at that place. And so I realized that people were trying to, there were a lot of people actually in, in 2007, all the way to about 2010, Christians raising money to shut those places down, but no one was asking, what about the people is the building? Yes. Sin goes on in all types of buildings, right? But like, who is going to minister to the people? And so anyways, when the Lord called me into this at 23, I knew we, I had to go into those places and show them that the love of Christ does not judge them, but God's kindness leads them to repentance. And so August of 2008, I walked into my first strip club with my friend, Sarah, and two other women, and we had no agenda other than to listen to the Holy Spirit and ask the owners or whoever God would lead us to if we could bring in a home-cooked meal. And actually up to that moment in time, I didn't even have that as a plan, which is hilarious. So that's the, the Lord provided a way to open those doors in that club. And he affirmed very quickly. As soon as I talked to the owner, I said, my name's Rochelle. I'm not here. Uh, I'm not here for a job. I'm here to do something kind and loving for the women in this place. Jesus has sent us here. And his, his expression is something I'll never forget. He said, in all the years I've been doing this, I've never heard of anyone coming inside here. And I was like, and this is exactly why Jesus has called us to do this, right? Like, let's go beyond the door and let's bring the light of Christ into the darkness. Mm, let's go beyond the door and bring the light of Christ into the darkness. You know, I really enjoyed just hearing and reading rather about your boldness as you went into the strip club, not even really knowing what you were going to say. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it looks like to follow the Holy Spirit's unction? I mean, you shared some really incredible stories, not only there in that first time you ever stepped foot in the strip club, but even later on when you began to minister here in Las Vegas with Scarlet Hope. Can you just tell us a little bit about how, you know, the spirit prompted you throughout the years to follow his leading? Yeah. You know, God has always had a sweet way in my life of, I don't know, speaking to me and it's not an audible voice. Everybody asks me that. And it's not, it, it's a prompting. It's also a urgent urgency that he puts on my heart. And it's something like when the Holy spirit does it, it, it in my life, at least it's like, Hey, this is me. You know, I, I'm not being secretive about my voice. I'm, I'm clearly showing you what I want. 
So there's confidence in that. But essentially years ago, when I first started this, I I went to Las Vegas to do some research. Honestly, I I was like, everybody says the sex industry is in only Las Vegas. Like, let me connect with some ministries out there. So we did, I go out there, I do some strip club ministry with some several people that were, you know, trying to get some stuff started. And I, you know, to be honest, Liv, I didn't know this woman. I don't remember her. I apparently gave her a lipstick that had the word Scarlet Hope on it. Well, the funniest part about this story is that we've never, ever printed in the history of Scarlet Hope. We've never printed a lipstick with that name on it. She held on to that for nine years. And I was in Reno, Nevada, and a couple years ago, and she came up to me and she pulled me aside and she is Vietnamese. And she pulled me aside and she said, can I tell you my story? And I said, yeah. She said, you came into a strip club in Las Vegas almost nine years ago and you handed me this lipstick and she had it in her hand. And she said it had Scarlet Hope's name on it. And I said, that's not our lipstick. I, I, I just don't understand. She said, I don't know that you handed me this lipstick. I was like, okay. So she said, fast forward, I'm a trafficking victim from Vietnam. And I met a American man that came into a brothel there. And he asked, he said he would pay my way out of here and he would marry me so I could come to the States. So I believed him. She said, I came here and he brought me directly to Las Vegas and started selling me. And she said, I was sold over and over and over again. I was so confused. I didn't know the language. I knew no way out. And then I finally got away from him. And she said, I remembered the lipstick and nothing had ever occurred to me until this day to Google what is Scarlet Hope. So she finds a testimonial video of me from Reno, actually, because we have a ministry there. It's one of our longest standing ministries. And she finds Scarlet Hope Reno and she drives there and she meets with our team and she's like, this is my story. And she actually, in the midst of that, actually had gone to a church that she, there was some connection, some tagging of that or whatever, and ends up in a church that she believes Scarlet Hope Reno is going to be at, and then gets connected to our team. And all this to say, God had a miraculous plan for this woman By the time I met her, she had been on our outreach team for, for about a year. She was on our board of directors, helping to serve other women. She had come to know Christ and she was now married with a Christian man from the church that God led her to who they both run recovery ministry for addicts. And I'm sitting before this woman going a simple lipstick that God miraculously put our name on to be very honest. I do not know how that happened. And just a young girl that went to Vegas on a whim. And this woman, God has been directing her path and rescuing her from that very day. And so it's just a beautiful, beautiful example of if we're obedient and plant seeds and obedient to the Holy spirit, what he can do to reach his daughters out there in the darkness. Right. And I really didn't have much to do with her story, but she, she is forever grateful. And she said, she's going to be buried with that lipstick one day. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is so 
beautiful that the Lord would give you something, even though you didn't know it, that she would hold on to for nine years. It just encourages me to pray a little differently. Lord, give me something. Yeah. Give me something that others will hold on to. You know, we become so obsessed with the closing. Can we can we get them to say that they believe in Christ right now, right here? But we've had multiple people here on this podcast that have shared, you know, I went home after I encountered this person who shared the love of Christ with me and I sat with it and I and I meditated on it and I prayed about it. And so, man, if we could just get over the sensationalism of the clothes and be as willing to steward the small things he gives us that others may keep with them for years. Mm-hmm. We might, we might see a, a difference in our world and in the opportunity that we have. You know, I, I really, really enjoyed reading this book. You all really need to get this book. You are going to not only enjoy and be impacted by the stories, but you are going to feel the opportunity to move out in outrageous obedience in new ways. And I have found that here because you didn't get started overnight. And I will share with you that I was I was convinced that you'd had some experience with the sex industry before you began to minister to women, you know, within this industry. And I am even just more blessed by the fact that you had none, that you just felt the Lord sending you. You know, Paul said he became all things to all people, you know. And so I think we need to take on that mindset because we often limit the Lord and what he wants to do based upon you know our own experiences however when you got started you shared that you had your mind on one specific nightclub that you later realized was a distraction and it was your community that helped you realize where the lord was truly sending you can you just share a little bit about that and what mistakes you see people begin to make when they enter new areas of ministry. Yeah. You know, just when you were talking, I was thinking if obedience relies on someone else's response, we will never be obedient. We'll always be disobedient because we can't control other people. However, we had prayed outside of strip clubs for 18 months and there were 27 of them. And so we would we would just drive and pray every Tuesday. And and we did this with two specific prayers in mind, Lord, open the doors, Lord, free the, the, the women that are behind these doors and, and show us how we can be a part of that. Well, I had spent lots of time researching and praying outside of these clubs. And it was, I kind of got set on, this was one particular club we were going to go to. So my, my very small team, my husband, my best friend, Sarah, her husband, and then two other women said, like, let's, we we all said, let's get together and fast and pray for a couple for literally Sunday to Tuesday. And we're going to ask the Lord, which way are you telling us to go? Okay. So I thought one club 
And I was, I don't know why I thought that club, I thought, you know, this is the club we should go to. But when we all showed up together, everyone else felt this other club. And in the moment I knew that, like, obviously the Lord had called me, but I, through me, he was calling other people. And so, you know, all the people that were involved in this at the time, the five or six, um, had never even thought of this in their life until I'd mentioned it. And they said, let's go to this other club. And I said, great. You all think that I'm not going to fight this. You all have the Holy spirit too. We're going to go. And it was so sweet of God because that actually, it was so funny that actually ended up being the club that the Lord used to open the door to the very first strip club. But also I, I don't know why I thought of this. And I guess the enemy had distracted me, but we had spent the most time sitting across the street at a Wendy's restaurant, praying for the women in that place for 18 months. And that was the place we would end. And we would sit and pray and wait and pray and wait. And we got to know the people in Wendy's and all of these types of things. So it was confusing to me. Come to find out for seven years, that club I would have originally went to never let us in for seven years. Now I got to tell a follow-up story. You know, I've been doing this for 14 and a half years. I've now been in that club ministering to over 300 women for almost seven years total. So almost... So, but had I gone to that club first and got distracted and wanted my plan and my way live, we, we would not have started the ministry because we would have gotten a no. And so when we got a yes at the club that my friends wanted to go to, um, it was like, wow, this is exactly where God wanted us to. And it takes the body of believers to write, to bring all that together. And it takes humility. I think I'm not saying I'm the most humble person. Believe me, I'm definitely not, but it takes humility to say, what's your idea. Okay. I need you and you need me so we can do this together. So we can reach the King. We can bring the light of Christ to the darkness and advance God's kingdom together. So there are so many times that's just one time where I had a plan and God's like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. And God used other people to redirect my path. Yes, it is so important to just lean into the pursuit of humility. I think it is it is really easy to become obsessed with our own ideas, but the Lord has blessed us with community. And as you said, that community he's blessed us with has the Holy Spirit too. So it is important that we lean into sound counsel and wisdom. You know, I just love how you shared that you came up with the name Scarlet Hope. You know, your your attorney or someone who was helping you to file all the papers for the 501c3 was asking you, do you have a name yet? And you're like, no, I'm still praying about it. So can you tell us how did the Lord give you the name Scarlet Hope. Our conversation will be back in just a moment, but for right now, I wanna ask, are you the creative, the queen, or the conqueror? Could you be all three? I 
want to invite you to head over to liveduly.com and take the Confident Collaborations Quiz. Together, we are going to walk in our calling more confidently than ever before and engage in kingdom collaborations. This two-minute quiz will help you identify your strengths and even a few areas of growth to help you be everything that God designed you to be. It's at livedooly.com slash quiz, and you can find the link in the description below. Yeah, that's a beautiful story because, you know, when I was first called to this, I was working at a full-time job. I was not about to make this a nonprofit organization. I just, I was very actually convinced that it actually shouldn't be an organization or a church that when I went into the clubs or my friends went into the clubs that we said, they would say, what company are you with? I would say, we're not with a company. Jesus has sent us here. My name's Rochelle. That was super important to me. That's actually how I still answer everyone. Scarlet Hope is an organization. That's a beautiful organization, but our CPA and our church paid for our 501c3 And the CPA said, you need a name. And it took me forever. And I was like, well, I just can't give it any name. And so I don't know. And he said, well, I can't file the paperwork until you do. Fast forward, I was reading on a Sunday evening. I was reading to in Matthew. And I'd already been in the clubs for about six months at this point. And I had seen women that had come in with head to toe black and blue bruises. I had seen a woman get spit in the face by a customer. I'd seen a lot already in six months. And Jesus, the original calling of my life was like, when Jesus, Jesus prompted me and the Holy spirit prompted me was like, you're going to share my hope, my hope and my love, not whatever they have their hope in. And so hope was always like a really important word as we were going in. I now know that the industry is full of hopelessness in so many ways. And, and honestly, the darkness is hopelessness, but I knew that was going to be part of the name, but I was reading in scripture in Matthew. And I read the scripture where Jesus was being beaten and he was being the crown of thorns put on his head and he was being mocked and a scarlet robe. They, the Bible says was put on him. And in that exact moment, what I envisioned was the Lord saying to me, my blood covers all of them and they need, that's the hope. So I walked into my husband's office and I said, the name, God just gave me the name. It is Scarlet Hope. Well, funny enough, my husband's in branding and so branding and marketing. And he said, let's pray about that. So I said, sure. But I knew it was supposed to be Scarlet Hope. (laughs) So Thursday we go to the clubs, we're in the clubs and we set up our full meal. The I'll save some of the details. This story is in the book, beautiful, delicious meal. And I see a woman across the club and she has a shoulder bag on. She's got a sweater that's drooping off her shoulder. She's staggering around. I go over to her and I said, would you like something to eat? She immediately asks me how much the food is, how much is a plate? And I said, actually it's free. And with tears are in her eyes. She tells me immediately, I came up here. This is my first night here because I have five children at home that have not eaten in a very long time. And someone told me I can make money tonight to feed them. But when I got up here, I'd never stripped in my life. And the owner said, you need to dance for me to interview. 
And I had never done that. And he said, you need to take off all your clothes. And I said, I had never done that either. So they told me to go get drunk at the bar next door and come back. So when she came back is when our world intersected. And I, and I and said, I'm so glad I met you. Come over to the table and I'll get you something to eat. So she starts, we start making her plate and she grabs the mac and cheese spoon. And she, my friend, Sarah whispers in my ear, she might throw up. She's eating so fast. She started eating out of the pan. To be honest, Liv, I have never experienced hunger like this. Mm-hmm. I've been taken care of by the grace of God, by a family that has loved me. I've never experienced anything like this. So I pick up the pan and I set it over on a high top table. And right then she throws up on me. And I'm like, Lord, what have you called me to? Like, this <laughs> is what am I doing? Without a beat, we did not clean up. We did not wash our hands. She looks at me and says, will you pray with me? Now, mind you, we do not go in there with, you know, t-shirts on that say church ladies or Jesus loves you or anything. We're just there to be a presence of light and, and, and share the gospel when ready. And, and so she says, will you pray with me? And I immediately grab her hands. We start praying in the middle of my prayer. She starts praying. She drops to her knees and cries out to God. This is all in the middle of a very big strip club. At this exact time, the DJ turns on the lights, the music goes off. Everyone is staring at us. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh no, we're getting kicked out. She stands up very sober mindedly and looks at me and says, I've met Jesus here tonight and I have hope now. And I was like, the Lord just started speaking through me and, and, and speaking life into her and truth into her that God loves her and Jesus loves her. And at this exact time, the owner comes over to her and he says, you're being disruptive to her. You have to leave this place. You can't work here. And she was like, that's fine. You know? And so we pack up all of our food for her to take to her kids And she was, didn't have a car. So she had a cab waiting outside. She gets in the cab. We load her stuff in. She looks at me and I look at her, her windows rolled down. And I said, I didn't even get your name. And with the largest smile on her face, she says, my name is Scarlett. And in that moment, Liv, in a strip club where most Christians would never set foot, God was there. And he was like, this is holy ground. And this is where I want you. So that's the story of Scarlet. The more gritty details are in the book, but that's the story. That's the name. Such a beautiful story. And my goodness, under your two feet is holy ground. I just was amazed that even the music was turned down, you know, not so that you would be kicked out just because even the DJ recognized something is going on right now, right here. Ah, my goodness, my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I know, I know that I know that I know that our sisters are, you know, really, really moving forward in new ways and obedience and your words have just given them more courage. So as we prepare to close, can you tell me, or rather, can you just share with us what you might encourage the woman who is growing in confidence and obedience to the Lord's voice could do 
at this time or in in new ways now as she begins to seek the Lord? One of the things that I do now that I wish that someone had told me in the beginning was to spend silence and solitude with the Lord regularly. I think often we prayer is so important and vital to our ministry, but often we talk to the Lord and we don't wait in in silence for him to talk to us. And prayer is a, is a conversation with God, our King. So I would encourage listeners to spend, find even an hour and, and just sit in silence and solitude with the Lord, get in nature. I often talk about how listening to the Holy spirit and hearing him is, is, is almost like a muscle, but also outrageous obedience is like a muscle do little things that God prompts you. And it might be uncomfortable. It might be like, it might be like the next time you're at target, the woman at the cashier is kind of grumpy and you're like, Oh, this is ruining my day. Maybe outrageous obedience looks like, how can I pray for you today? I don't know your name. You don't know me, but I'd love to pray for you. I don't know. I don't know what that prompt is, but as we are more aware of those prompts and we're practicing the obedience to the prompts, the Holy spirit will get louder. (laughs) That's how I've experienced him and give us bigger and bigger tasks to do for the kingdom that are outrageous. And so that's what I would encourage everybody to do and, 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 and pray and get a group of women around you that can encourage you to keep going. So good. Spend solitude with the Lord. Exercise, exercise that muscle of outrageous obedience and get a group of women around you. Oh my goodness. You have blessed us. Where can everybody buy this book, find you, get connected to Scarlet Hope? Please tell us all of the things. Yeah, we, I'm really excited. And and I want to thank you again for letting me come on this podcast and promote this book. It comes out November 8th, but you can pre-order it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, many different Christian books, um, any of those retailers. I also have a website, rochellestar.co and all the information is on there. My launch team is on there, you know, all the good author book things. And then also con- connect with Scarlet Hope, scarlethope.org in Las Vegas. We have our ministry in Las Vegas. So our mission is to share the hope and love of Jesus with women in the adult entertainment industry. So many opportunities to serve, so many opportunities to get involved. We'd love to get Vegas women involved out there. So scarlethope.org, all the information's on there. And we'd love to connect with you on social media as well. Awesome. Awesome. And she's not just here in Las Vegas, y'all. Scarlet Hope is not just here in Las Vegas. So wherever you may be joining us, head over to scarlethope.org so you can find out where you can get involved in your city. And hey, if there is no presence there in your city in this particular way, then you could always, I'm sure, reach out as well and just get equipped and learn how you can move forward with wisdom and knowledge as you step out into obedience. I have a couple of quick questions for you. I want to know if you'd let us in on a few secrets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. First one is, can you tell us what do you do to just help you slow down? Is there anything that you put into your space? Any words that you, you know, put on the wall or any rhythms that you practice that help you to slow down in our really fast paced culture? Yeah, that's a really good question. And something I 
literally daily, weekly try to work on because Rochelle star likes to go about a thousand miles an hour, but the things that the tools that I've used, one is the book sacred rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. She outlines for people, Christians, how to put rhythms of rest into your life. I've been following that for several years now, and I don't follow it perfectly, but I try to do a week, a day, a week where I'm practicing silence and solitude, and then a quarterly sort of retreat with the Lord and then so on and so forth. And there's all different kinds of examples. I have a women's group that I meet with weekly as well. And that sounds like more work, but they actually slow me down because I prioritize it. And we are all a group of Christian women that love Jesus, love to get things done. And we hold each other accountable. Where are you making space for rest? Mm. That kind of came from the company Cultivate What Matters. Started doing that many years ago. And it has just really changed my life and changed the way I operate and lead and So those are a little, a few of the tools behind the scenes, but I also love to travel. So there was a time in my ministry, I would not set the ministry down. I would not take a vacation. I was scared to, I didn't have enough help. And now I'm just, I've realized like, that's not healthy. And, and if the ministry depends on me to operate, then it's built too much on me. So my husband and I take regular vacations with our children. I have two beautiful boys and they need their mommy. So I have to have rhythms of rest. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. What is bringing a smile to your face these days? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. Many things. I mean, I love life. I really do. But I just adopted a little boy. My husband and I did two years. Well, it'll be two years in January. And he is a firecracker. And we are, he's bringing so much joy to my life right now. And yeah, I think that's a, that's the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) That is so sweet. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you once again so much for your time today. Would you pray us out? Oh, I'd love to. Jesus, thank you so very much for your mercy, God, your mercy on our lives that you give to each and every single one of us, the compassion that you give, Lord, when we stray and when we're disobedient, God, you draw us back to yourself. Father, I pray, God, for every listener on this show to experience you in a new way, to experience the Holy Spirit's voice and rest and all of the beautiful blessings that you bring into our lives, Lord. Father, if there is a woman listening that has a specific calling on her life that she knows you have called her and created her to do help her Lord to rebuke the enemy and to follow after you one step at a time. God, thank you for live. Thank you for this podcast. May it bless your name and glorify your name in all the earth. Lord, we love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen. (sighs) That just blessed my soul. And I pray that you can say the same after this conversation. If that's the case, would you be so kind as to head over to Apple Podcasts or Audible and leave a rating and review? 
It would truly support this podcast and let the guests know that you value their time. I know I do. Now, in between our time here on the podcast, I do want to let you know that I am at Candid Live on Instagram and at Live Duly on YouTube. It would be an honor to do life with you. I look forward to the next time. Love you.